Hey, guten Tag, guten Nacht. Uh, welcome to the Irish NFL Show Week 10 Review. It's Monday night and it's the day after the Munich game. Michael McQuinn, Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary, Ag- Mitt, Mark, Aloysius, Cockerell as well. We've got a full house here tonight. We're going to break down Week 10. We're only on YouTube, so a special special warm welcome if you are on das youtube and uh, a special welcome if you're in on the podcast colin first off uh speaking the deutsch uh well sprechen, uh, I, sorry sprechen sprechen um I, I fortunately i i didn't have to i got to enjoy it from the the comfort of uh, my living room but from even the the living room it was uh, the atmosphere was obvious I, I don't think that should be a surprise i think if anyone is surprised you haven't been paying any attention to germany um because this is a country that gets 30,000 people plus at semi professional games um long overdue and i think the nfl hopefully have realized the appetite for the game uh, not just in in the UK and Germany, but throughout Europe and I think probably throughout the, the world. Obviously, the top I'm wearing tonight um, will have games in the Azteca when it is redeveloped, but we know obviously the appetite in um, in Mexico. And when we had Henry Hodgson on with us, he talked about uh, Brazil and the appetite that there is in that country. So great to see Um intrigued to hear from the two of you who were there but certainly it was a, a spectacular feel uh like venue and uh, a spectacular atmosphere not to be the guy brian to bring everybody down that didn't go to the game i mean there's loads of lads from ireland that were on the flight this morning ones that met in hotels last night that weren't even at the game they were just in the pub watching it in munich so i don't want to be that guy to bring it down if we're calling remark for example that was better than the super bowl would you agree with that or do you think I'm crazy? I, th- I thought it was by far better than the Super Bowl. It's probably the best atmosphere I've ever been at, including the soccer game or GEA game or rugby game. I would say it was a, a bigger occasion than a Super Bowl, even though that sounds a bit weird because of the importance of making sure that the event went off in the manner in which the NFL would have wanted with what looks like already been suggested over the past 40 hours is that they're looking to confirm additional games potentially in Germany over the coming years. Um, seems to be something going on with Roger Goodell on, on, on the social media at the weekend. He's keen to give a commitment to uh, more games in Germany. I think having been there yesterday and witnessed what we did, um, and I thought we got a good game as well, in fairness, let's not forget why we were there. We were there to watch a, you know, cover a, a, a big game within the league and two teams that are coming into it in different different situations. Um, it was... A, I, would recognise how it felt to be there yesterday in terms of like what it was like when we first went to London and the Giants played the Dolphins and um, then the addition the following year was the Chargers and the Saints and you kind of got the feeling as if this was a really big occasion and it certainly lived up to the billing um, and yeah it was fantastic as an NFL fan it was fantastic to be there Mark um, did you get a chance to watch it Myth, or see any of the reaction this morning Man, I, I did, and you know, you always knew the first game in Germany was going to be huge. The German NFL fan base is massive all across Central Europe, of course, continental Europe. A lot of them travel to London games, but having one on home soil is different gravy. And yeah, I mean, you just look at the clips of Sweet Caroline, Country Roads being played, the fans staying for an hour after the game, just watching Red Zone and enjoying and reveling, uh, reveling in the atmosphere. 
unbelievable. I mean, you've got to remember as well the significance of this in some respects. The Bundesliga are cooperating and collaborating quite strongly with the NFL. They're sharing information on next generation analytics, even when the NFL is planning for future German games, you know, uh, in further years, they're trying to plan it so that it doesn't impinge upon Bundesliga weeks and they've been very mindful of their scheduling. There's a, a close collaboration, so at least. But even you think about the impact on Munich, this was the first ever non-football event in the history of the 17-year history. It's not the oldest stadium of the Allianz Arena. And that's because when it was constructed, it was done so with the express permission by the city of Munich to be used for football because they contributed to the cost of it with Bayern Munich. So to say that Germany's leaning into the NFL, to say the city's leaning in, would be putting it mildly. I mean, by contrast, you think of the U. I mean, Columbus were in the Mexico jersey. One of the biggest games in Levi Stadium history was actually Ireland versus Mexico in a soccer match. Like, American football stadiums are naturally more multi-purpose, not as much in Germany. They know how big a deal this was. The comments by Goodell were obvious. I think I've said many moons ago, you look at NFL Europe, you look at these things. Um, once the NFL cottons on to the capabilities and the market in Germany, it will be, you know, wir sprechen Deutsch, wir sprechen NFL. Das ist sehr gut in Deutschland, yeah? Um, and they will make money, they will be there and... Hey, I, I think I sent out a message to you guys. Uh, 2028, there'll be as many, if not more, games in Germany than there are in the UK. It's my 2028, in, in my opinion, will be London, Germany, Spain, France, and Ireland. One off. From, I think from your lips to God's ears, Michael. From my lips to God's, God's ears. ears. I wanted to just, um, for people that are listening to this podcast especially, paint a picture here very quickly because I know we have games to talk about. On Friday night, there was a podcast sold out in an arena of 7,000 people. On Saturday night, there was a 15,000 person street party for a t- television channel that shows the NFL in Germany. And on Sunday, there were 6,000 people that were watching Red Zone and the German game in an arena. I look forward please i'd love to see london try and replicate that yeah different team bars for the marketing and things as well and our guy jan stecker who was on the show last year came out to an r&b beat and wrapped it which i'll try and put up on social media tomorrow but uh, it was just it was just unreal column i mean the game itself let, let's let's jump into it um it was entertaining it was all right i mean the crowd made the game the seahawks didn't turn up is that fair to say they turned up towards the end but gino smith was very very disappointing very disappointing. Now the Bucks actually rolled in two hours later than scheduled. They they were late for training. Seahawks got in the day before. Um, they don't seem to have acclimatized themselves, even though they're used to flying four, five, six hours across the US to different games. For example, playing the Giants or the Jets in New Jersey. Um, well, hopefully this finally puts to bed this, oh, they got in early stuff um, that seems to be a debate that this makes any sort of difference. It it does not. Um, whether a team arrives early, a team arrives um, late, it, do, it doesn't make a difference. It's about showing up uh, on the, the field. Um, 
which might be the one one downside of the entire weekend was just how bad the pitch was. My goodness. Uh, and I know um, both, bad for both teams, and in fairness, both teams acknowledged it. And it wasn't, it had nothing to do with the reason um, the, the Bucks won. You are absolutely correct. The Seahawks basically didn't show up until um, the, the fourth quarter. Um, it was all all about um, the Bucks, and they could get away um, with one of the worst trick plays that you're uh, likely to to, to see uh, with Leonard Fournette uh, trying to throw to 45-year-old Tom Brady um, and Tommy, um, you know, being a little bit, I mean, I it's obviously something one learns in New England because kicking out at the, uh, we've seen Mac Jones do that. Um, so that, that was uh, that was entertaining. Look, it was all about the, the Bucs. There seems to be a lot of hype today that they are back um, off the back of uh, White having 105 uh, yards on the ground and, and Linney having um, 50 people thinking that this is it. We talked about it on the show weeks ago. They it won't matter like how they play because Tom Brady is going to the playoffs. I ha- I would have to say come the playoffs, the NFC is so bad they could do, but I'm I'm not convinced that this Bucks team are really back to where they were uh, two years ago. I think they can take advantage of a really poor NFC. Um, and for the Seahawks, I think their biggest issue is the amount of time. Like watching it yesterday um, on TV, the amount of time Brady had to throw was ridiculous. And that is a piece that the Seahawks need to to work on because they just do not get pressure Um they, look, any anyone can have a, a bad a bad day. It'll be interesting to see how the the Seahawks bounce back from this. Um, I was quite impressed with the Bucks um, offensively yesterday. Um, we've been talking, I think, Collins alluded to in terms of the rush yards, but um, we saw White and we spoke about him in the preseason show coming out of Arizona's um, coming out of Arizona State. And we, we felt he'd be like a real kind of game changer that they'd have a really effective run game. We saw from him yesterday. Really good. Uh, Brady only had six incomplete passes in the entirety of the game. I thought, yeah, you're right. He got lots. He got lots of uh, time in the pocket. I think he looked quite sharp yesterday. I think some of his passes were really accurate on on board and, and looked. It looked to me. I, he looked better than I, I expected because we've been quite critical of, and rightly so of how they played. Even last week's Rams game, the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, look, the Seahawks rallied, but ultimately when it came down to that last drive, um, the Bucks, you know, comfortably, I, I would say, found a way to go up and down the field and. Kill the clock. They had 25 plays in the, in the fourth quarter of the Bucks' offense, and they had 10 first downs. Um, they were not more efficient, and the Seahawks' defense was on the field for 27 minutes of the entirety of the game. That says it all. So, uh, yeah, I was I thought they looked uh, a lot better than I expected. Obviously, we all picked the Seahawks, which obviously goes by the rule that when we all pick the same team, usually that team loses. But uh, I thought it was a really comfortable day for the Bucks overall. Well, the thing that throws it up, Brian, is the... Um and to both your points, they found a running game. Like the Bucks' running game this season has been historically bad. They aren't just ranked 32nd in the league. Their average per attempt is one of the worst in NFL history. And for once, Rashad White, whether it was the spark provided by him, whether the linemen just bust the holes open a bit more, but I think a lot of credit has to go to White, um, gave them a threat in the running game, which in turn opens up play action, in turn opened up the seams for Tom Brady to exploit linebackers on and makes... In one foul swoop, the Bucks' offense looked far more impressive. Impressive, But for me, actually, I wasn't as harsh on Geno Smith. I thought, again, he, his decision-making wasn't bad. He didn't make silly mistakes. Some of the 
velocity and decision-making on his throws actually was impressive. It's just his receivers dropped the ball because, in fairness, what really happened to me was that the Bucks' defense was fired up. They were obviously being motivated, uh, led by Devin White, even after the sad passing of his father there on Friday, he still made a uh, Thursday, he still made the trip over, uh, still competing in the game. Um, and there would seem to be a lot of emotion, a lot of passion, obviously coming from that Bucks defense, who, to be fair, has not been the, except for one game, has not been the failing point of this team this year. The offense still has not been clicking, even still with a improved offense performance. We're talking about them scoring 21 points. We're not talking about them the offensive output that we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, so definitely room for improvement uh, before they can go to any meaningful consideration of postseason success. Yeah, and big shout out to Brian for getting the question in, the big Tommy last night as well. Good crack. Uh, let's wrap this Germany chat up for the first segment in the podcast with one question. Uh, driving out to the airport this morning, €104 Euro for a taxi. I'd like to thank Garlingus for not informing us that it takes two hours. I'm not even lying, Brian. I can tell you what, I'll send you the receipt and we'll go four ways for your for your lad, Mike. Yeah. Um anywho, anywho, I'm home now. Yeah, I'm what I'm a celebrity's on. I'm actually surprised Brian and Mark are on because of what their wives have wanted wanted to watch it. Um however, the fire's on as well. Uh, I was driving out to the airport and there was a massive uh, billboard saying coming soon, and it was Travis Kelsey, and I just let a big laugh out in the taxi. Taxi man thought I was losing the head. What's going on there? Nothing's being announced, but anywho, anywho, the whispers, there may be whispers, obviously, that there could be two games in Germany. Uh, are we all going next year, boys, if there's two games? Yeah? Nine? That's Vugerstein? I think it's a given, Michael. Um, I just want to make one point. I, I will, and, but will we all actually sit on a computer when the tickets go on sale with a 4-1 chance of maybe getting tickets? That well, could be a good idea this year, because if, if Patrick Mahomes is going... Well, Michael, you kind of alluded to the rumours already because of Roger Goodell's comments the other day are that there may be two uh, Germany games next year, all to be confirmed. There's a lot of outlets reporting that both the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots are interested in a game in Germany. Remember, the AFC has nine home games next year, so it will be an AFC team likely giving up a home game as part of that international series. And the reality is, of course, that the New England Patriots and Kansas City Chiefs both, certainly the Patriots do, and pretty certainly the Chiefs do as well, have Germany as part of their marketing area. So they're keen in many respects to get over. Um, so it could be the case that we have Munich and Frankfurt to look forward to. And then the question is, do we go to both? Yeah, I think it's going to be both. I think it'll be Munich and Frankfurt. Uh, and that's, I'm I'm con- we're not going to talk about it again until the games are announced, but I, I think it'll be both. I'm conscious we've got a lot of other games to discuss. So yeah, we do. We do. I just want one final point, just on Munich itself. Um, and it was a common team. So speaking to people who in the airport this morning and yesterday, who even guys who weren't at the game, the reason I felt the atmosphere was so electric throughout the course of the weekend, and you were there obviously a lot earlier than me, Michael, was Munich itself in terms of the area. It's all kind of in one, you know, general area of maybe two miles, where all the kind of people are enjoying themselves and, and socialising. We're in London. Uh, there's so many different outlets to go to and it break you know it's a bit of a disconnect you know even the day we were there for the Packers game there was three premiership matches on the same day you you know you wouldn't even know what was going on in London at the time so it was a much easier feeling vibe to go around the city and enjoy the atmosphere anyway and Bill, uh, yeah Bill's I, I, I think I, I think yeah and I think that's a very very fair point and to end the segment with, with one sentence I wonder is there any other cities in Europe like that where you can just get around easily and there's a couple of stadiums within a three or four mile radius sorry kilometer radius 
like an arse yeah. in London. Any, any, anyway, that's a different talk for another day. Thanks so much for listening to this German segment of the podcast, uh, Wielspass, and we look forward to going to Frankfurt and potentially Munich next year. Okay, welcome in everyone to the Irish NFL show. We need to talk about this Bills Vikings game. Like, my God, you know we we were treated to some great games yesterday. Uh, Vikings coming out in top thirty three to thirty in overtime. So many different factors. I'll talk about Justin Jefferson. I mean, probably one of the best games you're ever going to see from somebody in his position. The catch that he made uh, on third down, or sorry, the, the thirty two yard catch on was it fourth and sixteen or fourth and eighteen? It was probably one of the best catches I've seen. Do you know what? I'll I'll go out and say it. it's the best catch I've ever seen. Unbelievable, uh, and he is the best player in the league, hands down at the moment I think the bigger question column is how far can this Vikings team go they're in the NFC with a, with an Eagles team that's undefeated Kirk Cousins looks motivated you like that and they're what 8-1 going into week 11 I mean they're guaranteed top 3 top 4 surely in the NFC because I can't see a team going near them now and they're going to win their t- uh, they should win their divisional title you've picked a good time to go to Minnesota for Thanksgiving haven't you I have, um, yeah, because this this Vikings team are for real. Um, I, I I'm not that surprised. I thought they um would win. Uh, that some of that was off the back of obviously speculation as to whether Josh Allen would play. But there's been an awful lot of doubts about this Vikings team. But we saw them in London, and what was so impressive was jefferson you've called it like that catch was just exceptional but how he has grown and matured as a player and how much he has reflected on it and how much uh kevin o'connell first year head coach first year first time head coach for everyone who says that head coaches need time kevin o'connell first time um and just how they have uh, responded to him and the the bills the bills have work to do because they um in set in the second half over the the past um three games they have been terrible and they need to get that rectified now they were missing guys yesterday we're missing their top two quarterbacks that is a, a huge issue um and they are really really injured in the the secondary they need to hope that they can get those guys back that they obviously were there or thereabouts but to me i suppose looking at it for the vikings the vikings were on the road and it wasn't just the the victory but it was the manner of it they like last year and, and years previous they would have dropped their heads right they on the the stop against dalvin cook the bills had 12 men on the field the refs missed that um gabe davis did not catch the football that's another thing that goes against you. Um, it's very easy, and it happens all the time. Um, that because players are suspe- uh, you know superstitious creatures, and they think, oh, it's just not our day. It's just not our day. And very often, the Vikings would have felt like that, but they didn't. And Patrick Peterson, who had missed uh, the tackle, as uh, the um, Cardinals fans enjoyed pointing out early on in the game, well, he had quite the ending to to the game, came up big for the um, Vikings. For them, yeah, they're going to win their division. It's how deep can they go. Playoff games generally played under lights, and, well, we know what happens to Kirky Cousins when the lights come on. I look forward to Brian getting through the next 90 seconds without mentioning Odell Beckham Jr. Because there's no need to. Brian, go for it. Right, on this game, um, <laughs> Bills up 27-10, uh, have an opportunity to kick a field goal um, to 
cement the game essentially on this side in their wisdom to go from fourth down and they get intercepted turning point in the game a number of crazy moments in the game that we really haven't even called out um, I would suggest we've seen another miracle of the Meadowlands um, for people in the back who know the NFL in the 70s you've got a, a quarterback essentially has to take one play to close out a game um, who the clock stopped after the failed fourth down, which for me is like Marshall Lynch not getting the ball in the Super Bowl. You're one yard out and you don't give the ball to Dalvin Cook. Instead, you ask Kirk Cousins, who's fumbled twice in the game, been intercepted twice in the game, had 20 incomplete passes in the game, to find a way in from fourth and goal. We call a play in the, in the pub last night watching that. If he goes for it, they're not going to get in. Uh, I think Ollie Hunter was beside me at the time and he said he's not going to get in on a sneak. Um, and then they won play essentially to win the game. And by all accounts, on the sideline, him and Mitch Morse, the centre, didn't even have a conversation, nor did they even practice snaps on the sideline for that minute while the game wasn't on. They just went straight in. And look, we're getting critical of Josh Allen because the fourth quarter of the Packers game, needless interceptions, needless interceptions against the Jets. Colin was called a poor play in the, in, the, in the second half, but he's predominantly been the reason for the poor play. He's doing needless interceptions. And they do have a lot of work to do. And let's be fair, like the Dolphins in this division, and in fairness, the Jets and the Patriots, it's a very competitive division with teams all winning records. It's not a slam dunk now. The Chiefs are now in number one seed in position, you know, and we're going into the kind of the latter stage of the season now. So the Bills need to... The Bills have had two difficult defeats in the last two weeks. For the Vikings, yeah, it's a fantastic win. And like, it's everything we see. I, I, I touched on it a column last week, watching the video of... Kevin O'Connell in the, in the locker room with all the players and, and Kirk Cousins getting the rousing reception from the players at the rain, which all bought into what he's doing there, which is fantastic to see. Because having had him on the show, I think we'd all agree that he was a really great guy to have to engage with and it's reflective on how the players are playing for him at this time, at this stage of the season. So, Michael, Superman wears Justin Jefferson underpants. Uh, it wasn't just the catch on 4th and 18. It was... Nine out of 10 catches for 193 yards, but eight of them being 50-50, or in fact, less than 50-50 balls. Um, he was unstoppable, undeniable, irrepressible, whichever you like. He was all of them and one. Um, 17 points must be the new two-point lead. It used to be said the most dangerous lead in the NFL is two points because one field goal and you're behind. But 17 points between the Ravens, uh, between the Raiders, and now the Bills are catching it doesn't seem to be enough to hold on to a game. Um, the Bills, look, they're still a really great team. They're going to be there or thereabouts. They're going to be very dangerous the rest of the year. But let's not sugarcoat it. Since week six, they haven't scored a touchdown in the second half uh, of the game at all. Like yesterday, six points, two field goals. And one was just to send it to overtime with, again, just like the Packers game that Brian alluded to, two Red zone interceptions by Josh Allen. So bad plays at the wrong time. Um, and let's not sugarcoat it. They're third in the AFC East at the moment. At the moment, they occupy the sixth seed. I mean, of course, they have opportunities within the division to rectify that. But currently, as they, things stand, they sit behind the Dolphins and behind the Jets. They are developments they did not want to occur. I put it on the page during the game yesterday, like, you know, remarkably, these two teams in their combined history are 0-8 in Super Bowls. But if you could guarantee me right here and now, Arizona in February is going to have these two teams representing the AFC and the NFC to give us a rematch of that game. I think everyone would be very, very happy. Uh, neutral fans would be very, very happy in a general sense. I'm looking forward to great entertainment ahead. But 
It's about the catch, fourth and 18, and it's about the fumble. Brian said it really well. It is Miracle at the Meadowlands. Even, at least in Miracle from the Meadowlands, they were trying to run a play. This is before teams started to kneel on the ball. There has never been as devastating an offensive play which has caused more loss in terms of win percentage in the history of the NFL since that started tracking. Um, it was disastrous. The emotional swings Bills and Vikings fans went through, even in just in those couple of minutes, let alone the whole game, are probably enough to last you a lifetime. Um, but I'll leave you on the catch, Michael. One last thing. It's not Odell Beckham. It was a cross between OBJ's catch and David Tyree's helmet catch. Um, in terms of unlikely, more lucky though than skill, the, the helmet catch. I bet it would have yeah, been his own Probably, we don't need to talk yeah. too much about that. But that's the cross I, th- I saw someone compare it to, and I thought, yeah, it's a pretty good one. It's pretty two good. Giants, okay. Two joint catches, shall we say? Yeah. Can we can we, ju- can we just take one second to reflect on the smile that crossed Brian O'Leary's face when Mark talked about the Vikings making the Super Bowl rather than the Eagles? Um, I think for us lads, I think, you know, we have to stay neutral and we have to stay uh, very optimistic to all 32 franchises in the NFL. There'll be some crack if the Buffalo Bills uh, and the Minnesota Vikings get to the Super Bowl because we probably would if that happens. Let's be clear. Unless anyone's got up at 10 grand spare, because I haven't. Okay, let's jump into the next game in this segment and we'll look at the Miami Dolphins, um, who quite frankly got minus three and a half on the spread uh, in favour of last week. Going up against the Browns was... No harm. Printing money. Uh, 39 to 17. For me, lads, this is the, the Tua game. This is the, you know, if you ever wanted to have a game where you could see Tua for all he was, it was this game. You know, it's like, take outside Tyreek Hill and, and look at Jalen Waddle. Four catches, 66 yards. Sherfield, the dynamic offense. I genuinely am starting to feel how I felt about this Chargers team about Tua and this offense going into the offseason. If the Dolphins make it to the wild card, I have the Dolphins going to the AFC Championship game, I think, on their day. They're the best offense in football, as it stands at the minute. Tua is too dynamic. They've got too many weapons, I genuinely think. If they can somehow score about 45 points a game and the defense can hold teams down at 39, they'll be grand. That's probably, that's probably what will get them. But Colin, the Browns were shocking yesterday absolutely shocking and we're getting very close to the Sean Watson time and I for one can't wait to watch a quarterback that hasn't played for two and a half years I think it's going to be hilarious um well look it's all it's all about the Dolphins and they are the most electric um certainly offense and every single time they line up I am fascinated it it was watching them yesterday going what are they going to do is it going to be run is it going to be passed? How's it going to be? It is absolutely incredible. Again, first year, first time head coach, Mike McDaniel, uh, showing that you don't need um, years and years of experience. You just need to be an offensive genius, which he is. Yet Tua is playing fantastically well. Ty- Tyree Kill is the... I mean, he makes such a difference um, on, on the field. When you compare the, the rate in which the teams are playing zone to, to man, right, and you look at the Dolphins this year and you look at the Chiefs this year, and the difference is Tyree Kill. And playing zone plays into Tua's skill set because it's all about tiring, which is what it is. He doesn't have the biggest arm in the world, 
that's fine. He doesn't need to. Um, and look, this is where when you have a QB on a rookie on a cost control contract, you can take advantage of it. Hello, Denver. Um, th- this is the reality of it. And kudos to the Dolphins. They've gone all in, and I get why they have gone all in. They've seen the opportunity. Look, if it's it's about, um, I suppose, keeping um, guys fit, that's going to be the, the big piece for them. But Wilson has come across from the 49ers, and they, he knows McDaniel's system. That's a huge upgrade. They now have two guy, two running backs who are electric. Um, they have, obviously, their, their two wide receivers who are phenomenal. And I cannot continue uh, wait to continue to watch what they do on offense every single week because um defenses are equally as befuddled they don't know what exactly the dolphins are going to do uh the defense is probably the one achilles heel for them can they score enough points every week but my goodness they are the most entertaining team in the league um, I suppose what's more impressive for me is, is, is the run factor because um, we've been lauding all the plotters to, to it and you call it Tyreek Hill, rightly so, he's such a he's such a nightmare cover situation and he only had 53 yards yesterday and one touchdown I believe but yeah, it's we touched on it in the preview to this game, it's it's the factor of they're so focused on him, it allows Waddle and other players to you know contribute heavily on the team but they had 170 yards rushing yesterday, I thought the Browns defence would have put up a better performance but didn't materialise they played the Steelers, the Lions, the Bears, and now the Browns defense over the past four games. So I'm still kind of conscious to see how they are when they go up against the 49ers in a couple of weeks and another better team throughout the course of the season if they can shut them down. Right now, it doesn't look like no any team can. But the offensive line is playing really well, which is a key to, the, to this success because two of us only sacked him on yesterday. If he gets the time, 285, three touchdowns, it's a, it's a difficult situation. I think defensively is the question mark. That's supposed to be where the season will be won or lost for this team. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I was looking at the, some of the stats on top performers and uh, of the year. Running back is kind of as you'd expect. Barkley, Chubb, uh, Henry are there. Wide receivers, it's Jefferson, Diggs. Um, Hill is actually top of the pile. We'll come back to him in a second. And then you go to the quarterbacks. And by most metrics, actually, the top three are, well, at least until yesterday, Geno Smith, Tua and Jalen Hurts, you know, just like we all thought it would be in, in the scenario. Um, um, so a lot of the metrics are favoring and Mahomes obviously is up there as well. But when it comes to Hill, um, with Hill and Mixon, I always kind of have this little bit of a warning flag of kind of, I'm going to take the Peter King line and assessing Hall of Fame and just focus on what they do on the field because in terms of off the field behaviors in the past, uh, shouldn't be forgotten, but isn't really necessary for us to talk about here. What he's done on the field He's been the offensive player of the year so far. I mean, we're just lauding Jefferson. He has 100 more yards than him. He has been the difference between um, a good Miami offense and an amazing Miami offense. And the fact that he's still putting up that yardage with extra attention being paid, the fact that Jalen Waddle is top five, I think, in yards as well because the attention that Hill takes away from him and therefore they make this double threat is unbelievable. Fully agree with Colin. Jeff Wilson, fantastic addition. You saw how hard he's run. He had plenty of life and knows Mike McDaniel. It's all sinking. And for Dolphin fans, it must feel great. The top of the division, we're a world away from the concussion crisis and the should they have pulled him and how terrible is this that threatened to overshadow uh, their season and certainly Mike McDaniel in the first few games of him. Again, a first-year, first-time 
head coach column. So uh, your your analogy earlier applies. And let's have a, just a moment for that AFC East division. As today stands, all four teams, including Michael, the New England Patriots, are currently in the playoff spot, spots. Patriots bringing up the rear in the seventh and final wildcard. I don't expect them to stay there. Let's just be really clear. I think they're going to well, you, you made a very interesting point there. I mean, you can't go no, back no, now and say, I mean, as of right now, I mean, if your ma was your dad, that could be your sister. you know what I mean? Like, Thanks. Uh, right. Uh, it's I kind of like, I mean, like they're, they're, members they're, they're, 3-0 they're, start last season. Bit pointless. Anyway, my point is yeah, exactly. this division yeah, as point. a whole, Michael, is all above 500 and is doing very well, and the Dolphins are top of the pile. But it also means the divisional games to come. Dolphins playing the Bills again. Bills Jets. Uh, Jets Patriots next week. They all have massive playoff implications. And you'll have other teams looking in like the Bengals and Ravens. Both of them are going to be vying for a wild card because one of them is going to win the division. Uh, they'll be very interested in who knocks who out in the FC East. But Dolphins top of the pile. And like you say, if your ma was your dad, they want to stay there for the next few games. If your ma was your da. I've been very impressed with all four teams in that division this year. Obviously, the Jets made a step up. Patriots done really, really well with zappity zappity. And quite frankly, what Bill Belichick is doing with that team is stunning. So fair, fair play. Uh, right, let's jump on the Colts. Sweet Jesus, where do we start here? Jeff Saturday, who had no experience in college coaching, beat the Las Vegas Raiders last night. And um, frankly, it's shambolic in Las Vegas. Uh, Derek Carr crying. How their bottom of the AFC West column with how the Broncos are playing is inexcusable. Does Josh McDaniels last seven days as Brian flicks around with his pieces of paper for the people on the podcast? Actually quite soothing, Brian, at this time of the night. Column, does Josh McDaniels survive next week? Um, does he survive today? It's actually the title of this YouTube video to try and get clicks. Will Josh McDaniels be fired by the Las Vegas Raiders? Tell me. I'm going to say... Yes. Yeah. Well, Mark Davis says no. Mark Davis says Josh is doing a, quote, fantastic job. Literally what he said within the last hour. Um, and, yeah, you can take that with a great assault. But uh, Tashan Reed, who joined us, who covers the, the Raiders, um, had a piece basically saying that Derek Carr is going to be the fall guy for this, and they will put it all on him. We had talked about it before that um, the Carr extension will only ever one year. Um, and I, I don't know. If, if things continue as they are for the, the Raiders, you imagine they have to do something. But the the look, can I also point out that Jim Irsay did Frank Wright dirty? Absolutely ridiculous. Forced Matt his Ryan hand. as well. Oh no, no. He well, he yes, he dropped he but what like what was the point of dropping Matt Wright? Why did he force Frank Wright to drop him? They bring in the, the young guy, he tells Wright he can't go back to Matt Ryan, then he fires him, then he allows Jeff Saturday to, to go back. Um, Matt Ryan is the best QB on that roster for all his faults. And obviously yesterday um, he had the 39-yard scramble, uh, which was uh, quite amazing. If you haven't see, seen it set to Celine Dion's Titanic team, it is uh, worth, worthwhile. But yeah, the Ra the Raiders are are a shambles. Um, Brian and I had touched on this last week. Five of their last six first round picks have been uh, released, the and the the biggest problem for the Raiders is 
this isn't a young team because of that, because they've released so many guys. This is a team where they're paying decent money, right? They have a, a QB that they're paying decent money to. They have three pass catchers um, that they're paying big money to, big money to their tight end, enormous money to their um, Devonta Adams. I don't know where the Raiders go from here, um, but I I certainly know um, that the um, the the Broncos and the Raiders going up against each other next weekend. It's essentially the two head coaches who graduated from Cloud College. Brian, any given Saturday, my friend. Boom. Any given Saturday, yeah, interesting. Shakalaka. Uh, no, I like it. I like it, Michael. I did say uh, me and Colin did the preview this weekend. I said, um, and Colin, I think totally agree with time. The best chance for the Colts to win this game is to play Matt Ryan, um, and we actually didn't think at that time it was viable because, like Colin has alluded to, and Colin texted me yesterday about it. Um, we didn't believe that Matt Ryan was an option because the owner was so, you know. Um, to, to the line that he's not going to play for the remainder of the season, he comes back in. And the offense, they were. I was. I wanted to really read up on this game today. They said the Colts' offense they slimmed down the offensive playbook yesterday to be more beneficial to help Matt Ryan because of their conscious of his age and the offensive line, did, who was struggled throughout the course of the season and played reasonably well yesterday, which allowed them. I still think Saturday at times pulled some crazy stunts. He went for two point conversions twice as opposed to taking two extra points, which were a gimme. Um, they won by five. Um, the Raiders had the ball at the end to potentially win the game. They should have been up by seven, and the game would not have would have went to overtime. So, boy, look, he's learning on the fly. Um, but there's a lot of narratives out there that he leaned on a lot of people this week to help him get over the line. As for the Raiders, I mean, when are the players going to be become accountable? Is Derek Carr the only one that's going to become accountable for this situation? Because, as you said, there's a lot of experienced players there that don't seem to be stepping up. But yeah, I've seen this statement that's come out saying Josh McDaniels isn't going to be the the guy. I mean, where did they go from here if they, if they fire him now? Um, like Sean Payton's... Not Josh goes back to New England. He, it's like, a, it's like the circle well, it's, uh, I, He can go wherever he wants. I don't, if he, wants to, he probably will go back to New England, but it's more about who would go in there and improve them. I think you just have to pick your wounds, let the season go by and start again next season. Um, but it is a bit of a mess. And I think the players, should, should, it's about time the players start performing <laughs> and getting themselves yeah. over line. Because six games this season, they've lost within one score. Like I'm not saying, you know, as you said, if you're mad with your dad, but like they are playing quite well in the games. They're in a position to win numerous games in the, on the last round, and they can't get it done. So at some stage that has to turn. Maybe it'll be next Sunday, and why not? Potentially. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, Michael. New England only has the two offensive coordinators, so if McDaniel's came back, three offensive coordinators is really what's needed. Just to confuse well, it I mean, even I, more. Yeah, but like I'm sure Bill will find a way. Mark, look, my question is, what happened? What, what happened, the Raiders? Jesus, Michael, I think we're going to need a, a long long list on that one. I mean, effectively, bear in mind, Ziegler and McDaniels um, have gone in. They've taken over a playoff team. You know, they were a bit unlikely to make it to the playoffs there. They'd rallied around Biscotti as an interim coach, uh, or Bezema, sorry, as an interim coach. And they seem to have all the talent. Even like two weeks ago, I was saying, hey, looking at their schedule, they they are probably primed to go on a run. They should be able to go on a run here and potentially get back into contention. And they've probably lost two games that they should have won. They've lost by when they've been up 17 points. There is something fundamentally broken. Look, I'm the one that often says, hey, ownership matters. You know, the players matter, but ownership matters and coaching matters. And that's where... Yes, Bill Belichick or a John Horbaugh or uh, Mike Shanahan can make all the difference. They can actually out-coach 
Um, what was the famous um, Buddy Ryan line? Is uh, like talking about Don Shula. He can beat you with his, and then he could take yours and beat you with yours against his. Um, that's the differentiation they should make. And to have an example here where, I mean, we're not just talking about a rookie head coach. We're talking about someone with no coaching experience whatsoever has gone in and won a game against Josh McDaniels. Of course he's linked on his staff, and I don't mean to do any disrespect for a talented bunch of coordinators and assistant coaches who probably had their pride impacted by uh, Jim Irsay's comments and letting Frank Wright go and bringing in Jeff Sadley. They've banded together. It takes a village, and they pull together a game plan to beat the Raiders. But Josh McDaniels should hold his head in shame forevermore. I mean, bearing in mind some of the narrative behind Jeff Saturday as well, Bill Cowher saying it's a disgrace to the entire coaching profession. Joe Thomas kind of pointedly said it's a bit terrible when Jim Irsay is appointing his drinking buddy. And given Jim Irsay's past in terms of DUI offenses and the like, that is a bit uh, of an interesting new choice of words. Jeff Saturday's defense, I've never had a drink with Jim. I don't even know if he drinks, kind of kind of missed the point a little bit jeff i think um but it's a thundering disgrace I, and michael there's a long list um they made all the right moves in free agency it seemed in terms of bringing in uh Devontae adams uh, in terms of shoring up that defensive line in terms of giving other uh options outside of crosby in terms of um pass rush for example but it's been an abject disaster and is there a team that's had a worse season last fall than the raiders i struggle we didn't expect much from the Texans. They've got a worse record, but we didn't expect much. Lions are still showing shoots of recovery. Um, in terms of expectations of delivery, they are pathetic. I think the decision to give Jeff Saturday a job is an absolute disgrace. It's, a, it's actually embarrassing. And you, you look at many rules, in terms of the Rooney rule and many different other factors, I think it's embarrassing. Uh, and I can't wait to hear the fallout of this at the end of the season. I think it's an actual joke. Congrats for him to win in last uh, for winning last night, but I think it's an absolute disgrace. Let's jump on to the uh, Green Bay Packers game. Green Bay Packers defeated the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. Massive. Uh... Brian, you'd like to make a quick point. Sorry, guys. I know you're jumping onto this game. One's no, it's Saturday. fine. It's 100%. One's Go have Saturday. Run... No, they're not going to run the table. One's of he. Like, once if he goes on a run, once if they all keep rallying behind him. Uh, it's, it, it's a complete joke. It's like asking a doc, it's like asking somebody with six, six months university experience to become a doctor. I understand that, but if they win seven or six or seven games and they sneak into a, a seven spot work hard, I know it's against the Rams possibility right and what, now. What, and, and, go, and go one and done. I mean, what's the point? Like, it's like I'm just saying, okay, if the, if the team play and perform for him and they win, does it matter? Does he the right guy? Yeah, for but that, it's not Ted Lasso. Like, I mean, you can't just. Well, he's up know so far. Like, you know, he's going to beat the Eagles on Sunday. So I'm thinking, you know. Uh, do you know what? Actually, do you know what? I am I, I am saying it now at 9.46 p.m. on Monday. If you pick the Raiders against the Eagles, I am off this broadcast. Colts. I am not producing. Colts, Colts. Sorry, if you pick the if you pick the Colts over the Eagles, I've said the Colts I am not the producing Chiefs the podcast. I never thought I was bankers and I was right. I'll be right. I soon. know, but like it's different when you've Jeff Saturday in there. I, I am not producing anything. And I'm just going to go away for the weekend. Any given Saturday, Michael, any given Saturday, you call oh, it. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right, I'll tell you what. If you do pick them, you're not allowed on a Monday if, if they lose. So think <laughs> about that for like the next year. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I'll tell you what. Whoever whoever loses this won't is not allowed on next Monday. Right. Um, talk about that during the week. Let's jump in the Packers. Um, 
big day for the Packers obviously getting the win towards the end of the game the German red zone cut off at the end so thanks very much everybody for missing the end of that game uh, Colin Martin Rogers three touchdowns obviously the big play uh, to Christian Watson on that on that large pass but three touchdowns to Christian Watson on the other side of the ball Dak Prescott not consistent two interceptions and frankly the Packers get it done and shut a lot of people including myself up I thought the, I thought the Cowboys would run away with this and uh, they have injected some life into what could be uh, an interesting season for them but in terms of a trash NFC uh, with some teams they may have a situation where they can make a run for a wild card here yeah, I thought the Cowboys didn't help themselves on defense. We talked uh, certainly more than a month ago where I was said the, Cow- the Cowboys just play Michael Parsons as an edge rusher. Just let him rush the passer. He is incredible at it. He wrecks games. He he that's his best. That's where he can be his most disruptive. And so what did they do last night? They moved him back to an inside linebacker. Fantastic. Well done to the Cowboys, proving once and for all that you, you know, that you will do anything uh, to undermine your own success. The probably the most disruptive defensive player in the league this season. And they went and they took him out. Uh, that certainly had an impact, but no kudos to the the Packers. Um, Aaron Rodgers is a strange, strange one um, because we still don't know. Like he, at times, he makes these incredible throws that remind you of the past couple of seasons where he played at the MVP level, and at other times, um, like the end where he doesn't like the call, instead of audibling out of it. He just runs it, and then he gets to go over to Matt Lafleur and scream and roar at him. Um, so it's got to be weird if you're the a, a Packers player and, and you're watching this play out. I mean, Rogers knows enough football; he's good enough. He could all have allowed that. There is no reason if he doesn't like the call or he sees a better option, he could absolutely audible out of, out of that. Um, but he chooses not to, and he chooses not to do it kind of time and time again. And we've seen that at other times this season where he's just chucked the ball up kind of because he wanted to make a point. Um, for the uh, Packers fans who went over, I know there was a contingent from the UK and Irish Packers fans group. Uh, they will certainly have enjoyed their day because, yeah, come from behind win over the, the Cowboys is always nice. Um, and when your um, rookie wide receiver gets himself three touchdowns, happy days. Uh, for the Cowboys, they have to figure out both the offensive side of the ball and the, the defensive side of the ball. It certainly uh, doesn't do them any favours. And obviously, the Eagles and the Giants in that division, um, yeah, the Cowboys will look around the NFC and say, yeah, we can we can still make it. But it is a, a disappointing loss given the position that they did find themselves in. Um, Colin, you, you called about a month ago the Packers need to go back to an, a, a manner and offence which allows them to run the ball and they went up against it which for Cowboys weakest spot defensively is is trying to stop the run and like Aaron Jones yesterday had 138 yards I can't recall what AJ Dillon had but he, he wasn't far behind they finally kind of ran a balanced offence which would allow them to get in position to, to try to play as deep down the field to Watson and he's finally had his breakout game the Cowboys in the fourth quarter really disappointed me. Like they were fourteen points up and going to this fourth quarter. I'm not necessarily they gave the game away, but they had fourteen plays and they had three force downs in the fourth quarter. They were non-existent. And then in the overtime, and like there's been a lot of controversy today whether they should have kicked the field goal and put the Packers in a position to go um, 
go down the field and try to level it or win the field, you know, win the game. McCarthy said that he said from the from the opening play on that drive, he said to Callamore, get the playbook ready because we're not going for a field goal on this drive. We're going to go for it on fourth down. But it was a gamble, and because you know, once you get it, you're Damon Rogers, but since probably in 25 yards to get a, into position for Crosby to kick a field goal, it's a big win for the Packers for the Cowboys. Um, and I'm not saying it's because I'm a Giants fan. I'm looking ahead at this weekend. They're away to the they're away to the Vikings, and we've loaded up the Vikings. You know, right now. Cowboys are favourites for that game in Minnesota. I've absolutely no idea where, where, where that is. But if they were to lose that game next weekend, they 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 then fall back into a situation where they're dropping down the pecking order, like the seventh seed in the wild card in the in the NFC's four losses, which is the 49ers. That could flip if um if they win their coming game because the Seahawks are on a bye. But in a sense, it's four games. Then the Cowboys could tip, could drop down to four four losses. It's a precarious one for the Cowboys. It's a big loss to be honest, like the Packers. Haven't been firing in all cylinders at all this season, but yet they had 415 yards yesterday of offense. Yeah, um, look, it, it boils down to the running game. We were talking about it at the start of the show with the Bucks. Um, if the Bucks running game opens up, it opens up the passing game. The Packers are the exact same. The running game was back to normal working order 200 yards plus 200 yards on the ground. And that opens up Aaron Rodgers and opportunities and Watson's breakout game. Be damned, it was more that Aaron Rodgers had a bit of time to throw the ball. Did he win the game single-handedly? No. Look, I mean, look at it. He threw the ball 20 times, only 14 completions. It's not like this was a a dominant uh, par- uh, performance in the passing game. But when it really matters is the fourth quarter. And for once and the first time in about six or seven weeks, the Green Bay Packers stood up at the critical times of the game. And, of course, the Dallas Cowboys did not, which is why the Packers won the game and they didn't. Um, shocking result in one in many respects. So I think with the form that the Packers have been on in particular, a lot of people are leaning on the Cowboys. And certainly when it went into the fourth quarter, given the performances last while, given the, the horror show last week against the Lions with three interceptions and only getting nine points on the board, you would have doubted their ability to come back. But maybe, you know, we can't write off the Packers, especially with how bad the NFC has been. Yes, the division's probably out of reach with the Vikings moving to eight and one, but a wild card, still options there. You know, Brian just said the 49ers sit there at five and four. Commanders are in eighth spot in the division in four and five. So again, talking about division in the top um, top phases, that's four out of the top eight for the NFC East. So um, they could go on a run. They could make a wild card run, but they got you know one swallow does not make a summer, as I'm fond of saying. So let's see more consistency in that regard. I have never heard of that saying in my life. Um, never. Uh, the Niners are. It's a nice saying. It's a lovely saying. The Niners beat the Chargers last night on Sunday night football. I was watching it in the queue for baggage this morning. In forty minutes. Thanks, Erlingus. Love Erlingus, great, 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 reputable company. Uh, playing in Mexico next week, Colin, Vamo, Mexico. I think that's why you're wearing that jacket, I think. Um, just, yeah. For next, you know, the, the big Mexico game next week. Are you, are you going? Because we did, we, we missed the press accreditation cutoff for it. Um, I, I will be in the, the great white north rather than down in Mexico. I wish I was going, well, look, there's there's the Euro Millions tomorrow night. So you, ne- you never know. You Tuesday never know. Night. For your answer, the one thing I will say on this game column is it was just the defense that 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 Niners defense with Nick Bosa leading the way. Uh, Talano, I can't pronounce this guy's name. Hafanga is a beast. 
making a huge play at the end. Uh, and they got to Justin Herbert. They they siphoned the game. McCaffrey getting the late score as well. And going 5-4. to four, And frankly, I just... I can't see how... I genuinely think they're going to win the NFC West. I think we've seen the best of Seattle this year. I don't think Brian gets the nine wins. Um, he he might he might get well get the nine wins, but the Forty Nine ers could potentially um, still win the division. But it, it won't be because of James Garoppolo, who um, is <laughs> despite despite um, not throwing a touchdown, his team won again. They're ten and two. 10 and 2 when Jimmy doesn't throw uh, a touchdown team that stat. Jimmy, Jimmy played. Unbelievable. Has any QB ever been carried like Jimmy G? I don't believe they have. Um, yeah, look, th- this is a game. The Chargers have real issues. They have all, like, can't run the ball. They have no deep threat. Teams just know how to, to play against them. Plus, um, basically, they, what they have is Justin Herbert, who is incredible. Um, so the the 49ers decided to just deliberately and viciously assault him last night. That, like, the, today, the 49ers crying about the guy getting ejected. <laughs> what are you talking about? He puts up on Instagram a post, free me. I mean, come on. Like, ridiculous. Yes, we have seen awful roughing the passer calls in this league. Um, but that... That was deliberate what they did there. Um, the the 49ers uh, on the, the ground and because of the defense are going to be a problem. Um, but for the poor old Chargers, they, like two of the other teams in the AFC West, may well be looking for a new head coach come the end of the season. Yeah, Colin, you say free me. I was just you, you kill me point there. I was going to say yeah, free free the Chargers of uh, Brandon Staley, the fantastic head coach who uh, knew, knew it all and he still knows it all. Um, sixteen points in the first half. Ryan adjusts uh, defense corner for the Forty Nineers. Adjusts to halftime defensively, and they don't give up a single point in the second half against this Chargers team that are going to be the most explosive offense in the league. They're just as I said last week, they're sheriff spoofers. They won't be in the playoffs. Um, Forty Nineers were two for five in the red zone. If they were a little bit more. Uh, accurate in the red zone, the game essentially would have been a lot more comfortable. Um, to go in for Niners, I said to, I said to Colin today, it's a 27 17 type of game. You know, 22 16 isn't too far off. It played out exactly as I thought. Good win for 49ers. Chargers still have a lot of work to do. Uh, I did have my prediction that the 49ers would represent the NFC in the Super Bowl at the start of the year, and I've um, and I did maybe put a couple of uh, Kubler opinion on that as well. Um, I have uh, I appreciate that was a bold take at the time. I've uh, kind of oscillated between complete despair at such a stupid suggestion and uh, the gleamings of hope that it might come true. And again, look at this. Look at this win. If they win their division, one first home playoff game, I can see it's like I know I'm doing the Brian way of the Giants win the Super Bowl. Uh, that usually is when they're at two and seven, but there's always a way, there's always a path, and I can see a path. The Giants' path by May is probably better than the 49ers this season, so let me just be clear on that. But, um, there's always hope, there's always hope. They've been playing better. They've won more games, so I'll give I'll give credit where credit's due. Yeah, but the, the, but the Giants still have to play the Eagles and the Cowboys again. Like I mean, the I Niners know. will beat the Cardinals. They'll beat the Seahawks. I don't know, beat the Rams. Well, I'll give you something controversial. If we're going to mention the Eagles, 
you're probably relying upon the Cowboys or the Giants maybe in week 17 to stop them going 16-0. The rest of their schedule is cupcake I haven't gone unbeaten to, to six. I haven't gone unbeaten to that point, which is going to be... I, I genuinely think we should have a live watch along for that Giants-Eagles game. Just yeah, sorry, crack. I should have said 17-0 because we've got 17 games this season now. So and that, would, that would be the best ever then if that was to happen, wouldn't it? Technically. Te- technically the best ever regular season performance. Tactically. If. Okay. Okay. If and let's say let's let's keep it on that for a wee second and, and sort of drift along here as as it is getting a as it's getting a little bit late. Your boy's been up since five AM listening to Brian snoring. I'm joking. I wasn't even staying with Brian. I just wanted to see his reaction to that. Um okay. Are we quickly touching the Chiefs here? Yeah. Yeah. I think we have the, to. The, the, the Munich Pat, Pat, Chiefs. Pat Mahomes is head and, head and shoulders, I think, above anyone, I think, for the MVP race. He is magical See, I would, he is... Who, who, who would you have? Geno Smith it, or Daniel Jones? Jalen Hurts, call him. Jalen Hurts I, I'm, is... I'm the biggest Jalen Hurts fan on on this podcast and have been since he entered the league. But and I I think he's he's up he's up there. But he's not playing at the level that Patrick Mahomes is playing. Jalen Hurts is a is an amazing leader, and the job that he's doing is absolutely fantastic. I have the Eagles going to the Super Bowl. I think they're capable of potentially winning the Super Bowl. But Patrick Mahomes makes the like magical look mundane. We're that we're that accustomed to what he's doing, um, and I, I am very interested to see if Kadarius Tony can keep this going. Um, if he is now motivated, it will like he, the kid has insane levels of ability. Like he adjusts his gloves yesterday before he goes up and catches one. Like that's how talented he is that he can go and do that. We've seen it, but he's only ever shown in flashes. Yesterday, he definitely flashed again. If the Chiefs have found, um, you know, uh, a real superstar in him, um, they could really go places. You, the, the biggest knock for me on the, the Chiefs is their lack of pass rush. Talked about it with the, the Seahawks. Uh, they have Chris Jones and Chris Jones alone. That could be an issue when they get to um, the, the playoffs. But they, again, because of the fact that they've won the division so often, the, the strength of schedule has, hasn't been kind to them, but they still find ways to, to win. Um, for everyone else in the AFC, the last thing you're going to want is to have to go to Arrowhead um, in January to, to win playoff games. That You don't, you don't want that. So um, right now, I think the, the Chiefs are... Um, they're, ju- they're just... They, the, the way they go about it, they're finding ways to, to win every week. They're not playing at the uh, their absolute best, um, but I think they are serious business. Brian, just to jump in very quickly, just uh, to give my viewpoint on this performance. The most impressive thing for me wasn't just Mahomes yesterday. It was the fact that nine different players received the ball at one point in the game for a combined total of, God, I don't know, GCSE leaving certain miles over 200 and something yards. It was unbelievable. Uh, and... That shows you that the, the the dynamic offense which is evolving by Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs are going to be up there at the end of the season. We all know they're going to be, but they looked a lot more impressive yesterday than they have in certain weeks. Um, that being said, the Jags still went to Arrowhead and put up 17 points, so Trevor Lawrence should be proud of himself, yeah? Um, no, Michael, because it was a comfortable win. They put up 17 points, but it was a comfortable win for the Chiefs. They're the most efficient team in the league right now for me. They didn't give up one penalty yesterday, offensively and defensively. It's worth the game. 
I mean, you're watching NFL and flags galore in this league and they don't give it one penalty. Um, your man, sorry, Travis Etienne for the last two weeks. The game in London, he was explosive. The game last week against the Rays, he was explosive. He was explosive against the Giants. To be prior to that, he was held for 45 yards rushing yesterday against the Chiefs defence. And once the pass rush isn't there, they're certainly really strong against the run. And Mahomes, you're right, like the, the variety of options he has, and he's 26 for 35, 341. It was to me like fair, fair play to the Giants. They'll they'll go in and they'll endeavour and put up a strong performance. But the Chiefs were never in danger for me yesterday. It was always going to be a, a win for the Chiefs. Marcus, do you want to give your thoughts on this and then start off with some sort of quick fire? Is, is that is that what you want to do? Do you want to? I mean, we can get to the quick fire. I mean, comfortable win for the Chiefs. Mahomes was different gravy. Great to see him spreading it around. I'm sure Brian was delighted to see Kadarius Tony get his first ever. NFL touchdown, albeit not in the blue of the New York Giants, but in the red of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and yeah, the road still goes through Kansas City, as far as I'm concerned, especially with uh, the Bills' sputters, let's put it that way, at present. Okay, uh, we're going to quick fire some games. Colin, I think you're going to talk about the, the Giants beating the Texans. Am I correct then? No, I am going to talk about the Titans beating the Broncos. Uh, the, okay, uh, okay. I'm joking. I'm just trying to be. Sundanist, Sundanist. I know, but I think we should talk about different teams that we support. I'm, I'm joking. Okay, I'm, I'm joking. going to talk then about the ba- the Bears and the Lions. Um, so uh, I said on the show um, about three weeks ago that the best case scenario for the Bears was that Justin Fields continued to prove um, that he was a franchise QB despite the uh, barbs that have been thrown at him on this uh, podcast. He has continued to do that, but that the Bears would also continue to lose because they need better players to put around him. They have um, done that. Um, the Bears need they need a lot of work, um, but they uh, seem to have found their guy. Um, he doesn't have a whole lot uh, around him. He doesn't have a lot protecting him, and they don't have a lot on defense. Um, for the Lions, it was about getting a road win. They needed it. They have needed to um, get things together um, because for too long it was all about um, you know, ho- um, hopes and dreams and vibes under Dan Campbell. They've got back, put back back-to-back um victories now can they continue to build on this they were good in the second half of last season can they do the same in this michael i will do the giants game even though i'm a giants fan um we're we're, we're talking about Kadarius tony and moving on to the chiefs and giants fans are upset about potentially scoring his first touchdown uh giants took lawrence cager off the jets practice squad last week he goes and scores a touchdown. They took Isaiah Hodgkins off the Bills wide receiver practice squad. He goes and has 55 yards in his opening game for a joint. Again, Brian Dable just finds ways with players to put them in a position to make plays. And Daniel Jones had another good game yesterday. Six games in a row without an interception, 170 yards. And it was a reasonably comfortable game. Seven and two. No complaints. 170 yards. Passing. 170 yards passing. Against the Texans. What was the rushing total? Genuine. What, what was the um, total? Barkley went for about 118. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine then. Yeah. That's a good performance in Donald. I, I, I just make the point he's... that you're fine. Like, you don't have to have these star players in the league to be productive if you can get players in. And that's supposed to know. be at the Giants so good this season. They, their productivity is up there with Off the, the charts. best teams. Off the league. charts. Yep. 
and they have the Lions next week so it'll be interesting to see how that and as it stands now Mr. Diebold could go back in front of the of the coach of the year in my in my opinion it could be uh, after Pete Carroll's poor performance yesterday was Pete in Munich or Munich yeah I saw, I saw an old man on the sideline there, right? yeah. Mark, can I, Mark can I just go first very quickly because go for it Michael um, just I think it's relevant and um, I have absolutely damn all to say about this game but the Rams and the Cardinals I mean like <laughs> Colt McCoy going up against John Walford what Walford and the Standers boys I, I genuinely think if, if Sean McVay walks away at the end of the year and goes to Amazon it's embarrassing he should have walked away six months ago there's talent there it seems that there isn't a buy-in it's a bit like Man United for example too many big characters in certain positions and not enough coaching being going on there. And maybe the Rams thought they were going to rock up this year with a poor Seattle team, a poor Arizona Cardinals team, and a, a San Francisco team that had a rookie quarterback that people weren't going to be aware of. They are way, way off. And to lose by, uh, to lose um, to the, the, the Cardinals and let 27 points go in is, is atrocious. For me, their season's over 3-6. and six. I don't see them getting into the playoffs. And frankly, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, I will jump on Mark's situation about the Niners. I think it'll be the Eagles against the Niners in the NFC Championship game. So, there you go. Colin, have we another game to talk about? Well, or Mark, Michael, Mark, Mark's going to talk about the Broncos. Oh, no. The Broncos this is going to be good. This I'll is going to be good. about the Broncos and Giants. But, I mean, actually, on, on just before that on the Rams, the one comment I saw a couple of weeks ago I thought was great is, do you think that day kicks off with a half a full meeting in the morning between Aaron Donald and Sean McVay discussing who regrets more unretiring, um, given the season they're both facing in this regard? I mean, not that they are both retired. They can, that they didn't retire is more the point. But um, Did Aaron well, Donald invest in FTX, more importantly, with his new contract? Or I don't know, but Tom Brady, well, Tom Brady was a face of FTX on with Giselle, so Seems I'm sure they got paid weekend, in some so, way in, in shares, uh, which are now meaningless. Um, Broncos, Titans. Um, Broncos were coming off a buy. Um, not that you would necessarily recognize it. Um, the defense continues to be not just great. I mean, like the best defense performance wise, um, stats wise in the NFL this season. And let's face it, they held the Titans to 17 points. They held Derek Henry to 53 yards and 19 carries. Uh, and that was all without Justin Simmons, the uh, um, couple of time pro bowler back in uh, safety. And so, the defense is holding up their part of the bargain, but the answer yet again continues to be that the offense is not doing their part of the bargain. Ten points in the second quarter, one big downfield pass. Seems to be like, oh, maybe this is exciting. Up 10-0, 17 unanswered points to lose the game. In the second half, the only meaningful drive they had was at the end of the game. The punter is getting so much exercise. But the decline is what's terrifying. Sam Monson, our good friend, has been on the show many times at PFF, um, flagged the Russell Wilson last few years. Go back four years, he was first in qualifying, uh, out of qualifying QBs in terms of PFF grade. Year after that, he was well, fifth. I thought you were going to say it's former to one for a second there. Quali- no. Quality. <laughs> <laughs> Three years ago, he was fifth. Last year, he was 16th. Might excuse some of that because he was injured for a few games, wasn't playing well. This season, 32nd of 39 qualifying quarterbacks. That is 
a devastating decline. They couldn't get the ball completed on full third down. They couldn't pick up conversions. Fourth to 17. As I said, no sustained drives during that entire second half until the very end. Um, it's the story of the offense. It has been constantly this season, and that is what, frankly, is holding them back. But that's what it was for the last five years. So if Russell Wilson isn't the answer, what is the answer? And how can they unlock the potential of what is a a fantastic defense this year. Absolutely fantastic. Brian, I believe you have a point to make on the Los Angeles Rams, the three and six. Oh, we're jumping back to the Rams. Um, what I would say, um, like if they give no first round picks, it looks like the season is gone. Um, and they're in the rebuild, essentially, what's being quoted today. Do you think, that, and it's, it's a general question for everybody, do you think Jalen Ramsey and, and, and other players in that team are likely to want to stick around for? A rebuild, I would say no. I'd say he's him in particular is the kind of guy that went, and we saw what he did in Jacksonville to get out of there. When, when things are going wrong, he'll be hitting the high road and getting out of LA. And Aaron Donald, he might want to, uh, well, he's looking at retiring, but like, I'm just saying there's players there who bought into getting that Super Bowl ring, and we've quickly seen the drop off. If there's an opportunity to move on quickly, will they do it? I think they would. I think Aaron, I think Jaden Ramsey could be the one who could be traded in the next offseason. I mean, I guess, I guess the great thing is, you know, they have rings. Tyrod Taylor has a ring. Jimmy Garoppolo has multiple rings. Trevor Simeon has a ring. Um, so, I mean, I guess you can't, you can't put a price in the other ring. Seen Seabass just uh, Mark wearing his rings. Lovely guy. Gentleman. Great guy. He, he's more than okay. one as well, Michael. He's just wearing one of the many rings. Yes, just wearing one of them now. Yeah, just just in case he lost one. And that. I know he's won multiple. Don't worry. I I, I have put up with it for years. Let's, um, let's jump on to... Uh, Brian, you you were saying that we have to talk about another game. Well, yeah, the Cedar Saints was a really great game yesterday. Um, I think it's, it's worthy of. Would you like Kenny to talk Pickett. about that for for our listeners? I was, I was glad to see Kenny Pickett. Um, I can't say I have too much to say in this game. I'll be brutally honest. I've my hands up. I haven't gone and done the. Why, else on where this were game. you, Brian? Were, were you in the press box in in the Alliance Arena, or where were you at? No, but I know we do my analysis on every game on Monday. Michael, I'm, I'm joking. Back today, and I I I hadn't seen my children for a few days. So I want to spend a bit of quality time with the family. Oh, <laughs> There you go. See, I say nice things, Michael. Um, Folks, look, I couldn't find him out in the airport. I couldn't find Sorry? him. He, he had done a runner. I couldn't find him after the flight. So, yeah. so who knows well, where he what, was. As, as you know, Michael, <laughs> what happened in this game um, is Kenny Pickett won a game against uh, Andy Dutton. And we've been up and down and some have been critical of Kenny Pickett on this show and whether he should be playing or not. And we spoke about how it's not, not like to be a good season for the Steelers, um, you know, in terms of what the record would be. But... We are seeing strides with his quarterback yesterday. He's a lot better with his, on, on the ground in terms of his rushing. And I know there's been ups and downs, but I think the Steelers in the long term understand fans that we've got a player here. We're not going to win a lot of games. We'll win games, um, you know, close games against teams that are probably at their level. And that's what we saw yesterday. The Saints are going in the wrong direction. I would say the Steelers are in the right position. At least they know who their quarterback is. Right now, we have no idea who's going to be the Saints quarterback yeah, further down the line. We shall see. We shall see. Um, okay. I'm like, Jesus, I'm looking forward to this. I really am. Monday Night Football is... I actually forgot there was a game tonight. The Eagles are hosting the Washington Commanders. Um, nearly said football team there. Uh, at Lincoln Financial Field. Game kicks off at 1.15am Ireland. So by the time you're listening to this podcast, this won't even be relevant. However, thank you for listening. Um, Colin, I am taking... The Philadelphia Eagles in this game, only because I think their offense will be too much for this for this Washington team. And the reality is, Jalen Hurts and the run game 
and the multiple wide receiver tight end quarter that he has that he works so well dynamically together. They'll put up about 32 to 37 points. And Washington won't. And the Eagles will remain undefeated. Do you see any way in which Washington can win this game tonight, Colin? Yeah, because anything can happen. I, I don't think they will, but could they? Absolutely. Um, I, I've seen over the, the years plenty of big upsets. And I, I think it's unlikely, but maybe, maybe if you're if you're looking for a reason, the players coalesce on the fact that their owner continues to be the most embarrassing owner. I mean, we can all talk about the Jeff Saturday stuff, but that's not the big story in the NFL. The NFL is absolutely delighted that that story came up. The um, Washington commanders are being investigated um, and the they tried to deflect attention by pointing to the fact that their rookie running back got shot and they tried to use him as a deflect deflective shield um, to save the owner and everything that everyone that was involved in that statement that's who's an embarrassment that's who's a disgrace that's who should hang their heads in shame that's what should be talked about it shouldn't be uh, Dan Orlovsky saying that Justin Fields is part of the MVP conversation no he's not Dan no he's not that's just ridiculous <laughs> he did but- not say that did he he did. He did say that. Oh, Jesus afternoon. Christ. That, 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 that's where we're at. We need more and more ridiculous takes. I, I, I like Dan Orlowski, but that take is ridiculous. Can we just go back to Justin Fields is improving as a QB? Anyway, the, the, the commanders, they cannot get a new owner quick enough. All the talk has been about um, the about potentially Jeff Bezos and Jay-Z buying it. Um, Mark Cuban uh, gave his seal of approval for that. I imagine the uh, league, the fact the league doesn't talk about um, the commanders, they would very much like this to uh, just get done and they can sweep it under the carpet. Um, I I feel sorry for some of the good people at the commanders and obviously a lot of the fans, um, but uh, the sooner Dan Schneider goes and is out of the league, the better for everybody. Brian, a very, very relevant interruption here. So I'm sorry for interrupting you before you picked Washington. Just two seconds. I just want to give a shout out to Michael McCullough, who has super chatted us five pounds sterling. Michael, thank you very much for that. These boys can't spend that, so I'm going to spend it. I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, grab yourselves a coffee between you and join the show. Jeff Saturday for coaching. Michael, thanks a million. I, and folks, we really appreciate supporting YouTube. We're trying to build up a community on YouTube. It really means the world to us. So thank you very, very much. And Michael, sorry, we've just seen that there now. So... Thanks a million, sir. Uh, and if you're ever up in Belfast, wherever you see me, a pint is happily on Brian, who will transfer me the money. And I'll get one for you. Brian, who's going to win tonight? Since you're, 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 since you're going to give him his fiver back. Look, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, Colin's made very valid points about the Washington situation off the field. But I would say about what's happening on the field, um, in, since uh, the Bears game, they've been very competitive. They won three games in a row. Um, Coach Rivera's got a reaction out of him, and he was very reactive in his press conference after the Bears game, where he was slamming the media for essentially saying he was trying to get rid of Carson Wentz and things like that. The players are right around them. They like we're loading the Vikings up. They nearly beat the Vikings last week. Uh, they lost to a last second field goal against them. Um, so look, do I see them winning the game? No. Do I think they can make it competitive? I do. Taylor Henning, he had two really good games against the Eagles last year. Different season, but I think. He's much he's an upgrade on Carson Wentz, and I think they'll play well. They won't live with the Eagles offensively. In the end, the Eagles will find enough to win the game. So, Eagles for me. If this is week four, you pick a Washington. 
Hundred percent. I picked them the last time, but they didn't. I know. But the defense has improved gradually throughout the course of the season. You know, so can they? Can they? NFC East games are obviously a lot tighter than people uh, believe. I think there's a scenario where the Washington could live with them for maybe a half. Going What's the handicap, Brian? Ten and a half, man. I take Eagles sixteen and a half. Yeah, well, bear in mind this is a rematch because obviously they've already played each other once. Uh, the Eagles have already been them twenty four eight. When really it was the defense. Uh, I would say with their entrance calling card to the league this year, roughing up Carson Wentz uh, significantly, completely shutting down the commanders in any way, shape or form. And I agree with Brian, the commanders have got better. They've got better on defense certainly over this little run. Taylor Heineke um, looks far more dramatic than uh, and, and dynamic than um, Carson Wentz was. And they can definitely cause a bit of a stir, but look, to me, look, there were a couple of notable injuries actually over the weekend. Caleb Farley looks like he's done for the season for the Lions with a herniated disc, and he had injury concerns coming in this season. Uh, Zach Ertz looked like he's done for the the cards, obviously. Uh, and its injuries would be the thing that would worry me for the Eagles. At the moment, they've had a superbly functioning offense, a superbly functioning defense, uh, team very, being very well marshaled, coached, and led, which is bringing it all together. So injuries, considering what they're facing for the rest of the season, might be their biggest concern, if we're being honest about it. I don't see the commanders as a concern. I agree it's a divisional game. The commanders will run it tighter, but the Eagles are at home. The Eagles are on not just a roll, let's be honest about it. They've been the class act of the NFL this season. You don't want to be the class act in November, though. You want to be the class act in January and February. So keeping that momentum going will be key. But for me, every which way but loose, they're going to keep the momentum going this evening uh, and and go to 9-0. and you're talking about the Eagles being on a roll, almost as good as a roll as a chicken fillet roll I had today at the Apple Green on the M50. I want to give a big shout out to them who made me feel right at home and I genuinely cried in the car when I had it. I really missed food the last few days. That's, I tell you what, if there was one bad thing about the last few days, it's been the food. Um, just for everyone watching this, because I know it's probably a very relevant point, we we will be on at 9 o'clock next week. Um after the World Cup, I never thought I'd say this, but uh, Jackie's Army, etc., etc. I think I'm nearly certain that the World Cup's on at 7, so that means we bang on at 9, as usual. So 100%. Uh, looking forward to seeing what sort of nick everybody's in uh, after who's playing at 7 o'clock next week, but sure, we'll all be grand. In terms of questions, Colin, I'm sure as the chief question selector or question spotter, we uh, we have some favourites. Just obviously, again, uh, Colin, a big shout-out to Michael there and... Uh, Sorry, Michael, it's, you know, been up all day, etc. Up all night in some cases and only seen it after seven minutes. But that it really means a lot, Colm. And uh, as, is there anything you've seen there tonight from people asking questions? Um, well, we always appreciate the, the comments, especially as we are trying to, um, I suppose, grow the, the community uh, on YouTube. And uh, I am very interested to see how Twitter does um, with the handling the World Cup and the NFL. Uh, remember that 
Um, the uh, the Twitter has barely coped in the past with a World Cup on its own. It now has to handle a World Cup and an NFL uh, season at the same time. That is going to be very very interesting and Christmas. Um, the I think that the uh, main question uh, you've seen seen some of the the comments there. Uh, Stephen uh, obviously feels that um, the they could potentially. Uh, the commanders have a chance, and Fred is wondering um, if Mike McCarthy has coached himself a, a contention for coach of the year. I, I, I can't imagine he—he uh, he, he was too many people's uh, favorites. Even even Jerry Jones, I, I don't think would have given him uh, the vote. But uh, I wonder, given the result uh, yesterday, it, does Kevin O'Connell now uh, take over? Uh, from Dable as the slight favourite for for that, um, and what what of Nick Sirianni and uh, the Eagles? Interesting, very 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 interesting. I think if we get to the point where the Eagles are sitting fifteen and zero or something, or they get to Christmas Eve and they're still unbeaten, I think regardless of the result in that game, he has to be coach of the year to take a team to that many wins. And to play in the way they have, I think I, I would say that would be the case. Uh, very interesting, on O'Connell. Um, sorry, I thought I heard something outside. Sorry, um, it's just very, very bad weather up here. Thankfully. So what I was going to say, Michael, it's it's fascinating, really. I mean, they're definitely one, two, and three in terms of the candidates, and you can argue about the order any day of the week, but it, it shows the disparity again as well. They're three NFC coaches. Like all the AFC teams are beating each other up so much. Andy Reid's kind of like the perennial candidate, so it's not going to be him. Sean McDermott's won it recently and has lost a few games, so it's not going to be him. So it's likely to be one Mike, of those NFC Mike, coaches. Mike McDaniel, if if if, if the Dolphins continue the way the way they're, they're going, if they win the division, Callum, yeah. Callum, Callum, I said he was getting coached here on our preseason show. I said the Seahawks were going to win nine games on the preseason show. I can't have everything. Come on. I mean, didn't you say the Seahawks are going to win 11 games, Brian? Oh, you're here? No, no, 12. No, yeah, no, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I have a, a, a video to play tonight to end this show. Uh, Colin, I think Brian's seen this video. I know, I know. Can you believe it, Mark? I actually find three seconds of my day to do something today. Um, this is the guy that presents the NFL in Germany at a party on Saturday night for fans. Could you imagine Neil Reynolds doing this? Uh, for a London game next year. Uh, guys, see you uh, later on in the week, yeah? We're back, you, on, we're back live on Wednesday night. Excellent. Beach pass. Beach pass.